There in Geek Vibes Nation. This is your host of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, Dan Alves. And I have uh, a bunch of amazing panelists tonight. Uh, of course, we have my amazing co host, uh, brother Christopher A. Patton. How are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing great, man. I'm stoked for the show and uh, ready to talk some wrestling. I just opened a beer, so, you know, things are going okay. How about you, bud? I just chugged a cup of coffee, so this is going to be really good. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm doing pretty damn good. I had a good day, even though I worked, you know, work and play, all that shit. Anyways, makes Jack the boy. Speaking about Jack, we have uh, one of our panelists, uh, head editor and the creator of the Nerd Hub, Jack Flowers. Jack, thank you so much for being on tonight, man. Hey, thanks for having me. Nice, nice, straight to the point. I like it. All right, yeah, and also we have the dude. creator. Uh, exactly. Creator of the wrestling podcast, that wrestling podcast, and head wrestling writer uh, for us, Geek Vibes Nation, um, and pretty much our only wrestling writer. But that's good because he's a five-star AB. Check him out over on GVNation.com, which also you can find on there all of our links to our social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our different listening uh, styles with iTunes, Blog Talk, Stitcher. We're on everything. But either way, on that website, you will find this man's writings. How you doing, Alec? Oh, feeling good. Feeling great, man. How's everyone else? I think we're all doing just lovely. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, I hate to bring a little somber note, guys, but to uh, get out of the way, uh, obviously, me and Chris... We had some uh, other stuff that we had to get to last week. wasn't a lot of news. Um, but we had some passings in the last uh, week that I wanted to highlight. So big RIP from uh, Geek Vibes, Wrestling Geeks Alliance for King Kong Bundy, uh, The Destroyer, Wally Yamaguchi, and also um, father of, of Jungle Boy, uh, Luke Perry. So I'm going to give them a little five-second salute. Guys, all right, let's start off this news uh, before we go into Fastlane, because I know that everyone's clamoring to find out what the fuck we want to talk about for Fastlane, but uh, either way, we we got to get through it. Uh, yes, it's a pointless pay-per-view right before WrestleMania, because it's like three weeks away, but still, it was there. There was good stuff, there was bad stuff, there was stuff. Before we do that, though, why don't we talk about this Ronda shoot interview, if you will, brother, brother. Um... So basically, Ronda Rousey was having, she was like getting her hair done and braided and stuff like that. And she, she said some stuff that sent the, the, the wrestling geeks just in a frenzy, um, just, just saying some stuff, just, just being mean, 
and being pissed off. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of kidding because I do, on one side of it, understand the concept of keeping kayfabe and understand that, you know, after a while, if you keep on saying it, especially kind of on the Raw that we missed last week, um, you know, between Triple H, between the guy from SNL that's an idiot, between uh, Ronda at the end and this, it doesn't help wrestling's case, and it kind of it, it kind of pulls the curtain. To me, I don't give a fuck. I, you know, I mean, unfortunately, I hate to tell everyone, the pipe bomb, um, it was definitely him being frustrated and then saying creatively, hey, why don't you go do this? But there was, uh, there's no way that was all just – you know, off the top of his head, basically. And maybe he had a lot of those thoughts. What I'm saying is Vince specifically, since the 90s, likes to blur the lines. Do I think it's right? No. Do I think that Ronda just did this by herself? No. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I just, I, I don't. Um, the fact that her handler uh, for creative is Paul Heyman, I'm sure that he had something to do this. I wish that Paul, I don't think he's writing for it because they have writers technically, well, it would tell Rhonda to breathe while she's fucking talking because I think it would help her out with their with their um, promos. You know, she's not that bad, I would say. Now this heel persona, but even this last promo that she did uh, on Raw, like she was just ninety miles a minute. She needs to like just chill out a little bit. But obviously, she doesn't give a shit. So if you guys are wondering what she said, um, basically the quote is, "I'm not going out there and doing their fucking act anymore." They can say it's part of the act to try to save face, but it's not an act. I'm going out there and doing whatever the hell I want, and they can explain it however they want, but fuck them, everybody, the WWE universe included. I meant that I'm going to disrespect the the sport that they all love so much. Oh, don't break kayfabe, Rhonda. Wrestling is scripted. It's made up. It's not real. None of those bitches can fucking touch me. The end. Uh, at one of the uh, live shows over the weekend, she was shown, uh, you know, flaunting her T-shirt after she took it off. And normally she shows in the audience, and she looked at a fan and, was, and basically gave him the finger. Uh, she's trying to, I guess, get this aggressive side into her, which I think is working, and she probably should have fucking done it from the beginning. But I don't even know y'all's takes on this. So, Chris, uh, hearing, you know, the interview itself, or at least the words from the interview and, and everything, um, are you – a part of the side that's kind of pissed about this, or are you on the side that you understand that they're building a storyline in kind of a weird, unique way, I guess? I just I just kind of look at it as it's just a fucking sh- a work shoot. So from that standpoint, I, actually, I don't have a huge problem with it. They had to do something with Ronda because she can't go in as the baby face that she was into this three-way match because I think that, you know, people are going to be fully behind Becky no matter what. kind of makes sense to turn her heel, give a little bit more credibility to the match, I would say, as far as she goes, um, make her promos a little easier if she's just, I guess, shooting in quotation. And the whole thing, I didn't get upset. Like, I mean, some people really took the shit legitimately, which is what they were going for. But when she's like in, not in character, but saying terms like kayfabe, WWE universe, um, talking, just the terminology that she was using is exactly how a WWE writer would write that fucking terminology and be like, okay, well, here's some key points, hit that and do a shoot. So to me, I just take it as a work shoot, whatever. They're just trying to build her as a bigger heel so that it looks massive when Becky finally overcomes the odds. Now, as far as how the entire angle is being built, 
there's a lot of shit that I've already said about that that we can dive into as we get through some of these other results throughout the week. But uh, I didn't have a huge problem with it. I, you know, that Monday Night Raw specifically that you're talking about where it's a lot of wink, wink, nod, nod. Um, they need to limit that as much as possible, in my opinion. But I agree. You know, overall, I was I, I just didn't get super fucking heated about it like a lot of other people did. I, it was what it was, and to me, it's almost the Chris Jericho route of going on Twitter and having stuff outside of the WWE be brought into their character, similar to what he did when he kind of called out <laughs> Brock Lesnar and, and some other shit that just made, you know, it circled the news basically, which is what they're going for going into WrestleMania. So. Nothing, uh, I kind of, one of those things, like, nothing to see here. Um, but, yeah, I, I, work shoots haven't been great in the past. You know, there's, you know, John Cena calling out The Rock for writing on his arm. That was one, writing notes on his arm. There's the uh, famous Joey Style shoot. There's a few that you could point to, but the only one that really made a huge difference was CM Punk. And I think it's because it had a lot to do with, one, how good he is at cutting a promo. And two, the fact his contract really did end and they were in contract disputes and they gave him the belt. So it was up in the air on what was really going on with this. The only thing that's up in the air is, is Rhonda going to come back when she loses to Becky? Because I, I don't see any way in hell that they're going to not have Becky win at WrestleMania. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, if she's going off to obviously have, kids yeah she would have to definitely take a break or maybe that's it and she just tried a year run and that's what she wanted but uh, I agree with you I think that the pipe bomb is pretty much the only example of something that worked in WWE another example is the sunny days comment from Shawn Michaels to Bret Hart uh, back right before they went at it at Survivor Series uh, when he was insinuating uh, that Bret had an affair with Sonny um, and uh, caused a lot of stir between them um, after they went, obviously, behind the curtain. But, uh, yeah, it just doesn't it, – it usually pisses, people get frustrated. They get pissed off. It doesn't bother me that much. But I don't know. Jack, how do you feel about the situation? Yeah, um, well, pretty much kayfabe has been broken for decades now. So, I mean, anyone who watches wrestling is well beyond that. So, you know, I think I like that people can enjoy it in both ways. You can either kayfabe or smart, uh, depending on how you want to take it. So um, I'm not really mad about it. Um, that being said, um, it is the right move creatively. She has to be healed because, like Chris said, there's no way Becky is not going to win. And you don't want to destroy the momentum that they've built all year for Ronda. So um, I'm okay with it, but they do need to dial it down just a bit. Um, she's getting a lot of heat for it, but um, she's not the greatest promo um, person. She has a lot of anxiety, which is why she goes 90 miles per hour. So, you know, just dial it down just a little bit because uh, at a certain point it, it becomes cringy, you know. Um, but other than that, I'm okay with it. Yeah, Rhonda, try to, like, I don't know, take, like, a benzo or something if you got before you got to the ring. Uh, oh, don't drink those six cups of coffee, which it seems like you're drinking. Either way, um, I do agree with you, Jack. Alec, how do you feel about all this with Ronda Rousey? Yeah, man, I mean, 
it takes a lot to piss me off when it comes to a storyline in WWE. So, like, I don't really care about what she said. You might be able to argue that uh, saying fake is a little bit too far, but, I mean, come on. We all know. We all know it's a work. We all know where where they go. I mean, Vince has come out and said before, you know, they had that promo back in the 90s of, you know, the past say good guys versus bad guys is you know, whatever. I mean, like, it's it's not anything we don't know. Um, as far as uh, the heel turn, I love the heel turn. Uh, you can tell she's a lot more comfortable as a heel, even though she's, you know, as everyone said, speaks, you know, like there's no tomorrow, like the breathing isn't an option. But, um, you know, obviously she's she's more, I think she's more comfortable talking like that. And I think she comes across better um, just in that persona. Uh, I mean, I think she should have been a heel the whole time, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, she's been getting, excuse me, she's been getting booze. Um, on and off throughout the last, I don't know, three, four, five months anyway. Um, seems like they've been planting the seeds for a little bit there anyway. So, um, you know, I, I'm cool with it. I like the direction they're taking. The The story up to this point has, has been a little bit convoluted, but now that we have the match, now that it's officially a triple threat, uh, I think moving forward it'll be, it'll be a lot stronger of a build going into the match. And like everyone said, uh, obviously Becky's winning, um, as she should, so – um, you know, looking forward to, to where they go next. You three have said Becky's winning. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a different opinion on that possibly, but we'll get to that actually later on. But I mean, uh, I could completely be wrong. I mean, I definitely could. Uh, either way, all we're trying to say, WWE, is we get it. You fucking fucked up by making her baby face for a very long time. You got to drastically make her a heel. She's a USC girl. So what are you going to do? You're going to make her talk shit about wrestling, the thing that we love, that she said she respected. We get it. And uh, all of us are cool with it. Some people um, have thinner skins, unfortunately. But what are you going to do? Let's go to our next unfortunate wrestling news, uh, Tomasa Ciampa. Um, he was going into neck surgery last week uh, on The Observer. Dave Metzler had a quote that I will read in the horrible Dave Metzler impression that I do, but let me see if, let me see if I can get you this. Chapa is getting neck surgery in, in the next couple of days, and uh, WE confirmed it. He's not going to wrestle for a long, long time. Uh, for how long is, is not known, but he's having neck surgery and will have to vacate that NXT title. Shopper versus Gargano is not going to happen at NXT TakeOver, so it'll have to change a lot of plans. It has been known that he wasn't going to be out uh, after WrestleMania, but the idea was that he was going to work through, but I guess the situation in the last week must have gotten so bad that they just had to do the surgery now, so he's pulled from everything. Tommaso Ciampa, like I said, would go on to have surgery, um, and he took some pictures afterwards with him and quote unquote, I think Goldie is what he calls the belt. And he gave the belt a neck brace itself. Uh, so I'm glad he's being a champ about it. This is a very worrisome thing. Um, for, for one, six to 14 months tops. If, you know, I mean, there's that if, if it works out, I mean, there's a good chance that because of this, you know, we don't know how he'll recover from this. He'll definitely have to change his style a lot maybe do the whole Stone Cold thing and start going more brawling-based instead of doing some of those things he was doing beforehand. Um, but, yeah, it sucks because, two, it makes him look, and we know Vince is so scared about this, accident-prone. I mean, it seems like every time he has steam, there's an injury. Uh, you know, when he threw Johnny 
uh, into the thing, got injured during that match. And now this, right before he was both working on NXT and WWE as a top person from NXT. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's very unfortunate. And I hope Tommaso Ciampa is fine. I hope he's back and he kicks ass when he comes back. It's, he's such a great heel, but people love him so much that if he comes back, whether it be to NXT for a little while to finish it up or straight to the main roster, because Johnny will probably be on there, um, people are going to want to cheer for him. So that's just how it works. But uh, either way, like I said, I hope Tomas Ciampa gets better and he's back healthy uh, in six to 14 months and ready to wrestle. Uh, Chris, uh, how did you hear, or how did you, I don't know why I'm asking how do you feel. It's obviously a shitty thing, but like, this news happened. What do you think about it? I should say. Uh, I think. I mean, I think it definitely takes the wings out of the, the sale that NXT had going with him and Gargano and the storyline, and it definitely sucks from the standpoint. I think Ciampa has consistently been the best heel that WWE's had in a long while, uh, right offhand. I don't know where that leaves their title picture. If he's gone, I'm assuming he's going to have to forfeit the belt. If it's similar to Nikki Bella's surgery, for instance, which they're going to be removing plates and fusing the neck. I would be thinking it's going to be around that same timeline um, for recovery, maybe faster, but it's definitely going to put him on the shelf for quite a while. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those, it's, it's a really shitty thing. I do know that it was something that was known, you know, that he was feeling numbness and was having similar issues to, wrestlers that have ran into this in the past and some of them came back really strong had to obviously change their style i think that's no best case scenario uh and oh, hopefully everything goes well with the surgery and we see him back and instead of you know 12 to 16 months something more like eight that would be the upside but yeah i mean it's it's just one of those shitty things to talk about and i feel like we talk about it more and more in wwe <laughs> as of late as far as injuries go which which sucks um, especially seeing him moved up to the main roster, even if it was just for a couple matches. But, uh, yeah, I guess the, the big question coming out of it is what are they going to do with the NX title as they've already started transitioning some of these guys? Do you end up keeping someone back that maybe you were going to push up earlier after Mania, like Velveteen Dream, and put the title on him uh, as a transitional champion until you can get someone like Matt Riddle completely up to speed? And do some feuds with the Gargano there. Like, that's the stuff that's really out there. But uh, I don't know. Hopefully everything goes well with his surgery. And uh, obviously sending him get well wishes and all that good stuff. See, I think he appreciates your get well wishes, Chris. And he's giving you an evil glare while uh, being appreciative towards that. But, uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. Uh, Alec, uh, how do you um, feel? Once again, I'm saying how do you feel? There's no how do you feel in this situation. What do you think about the news about Tommaso Ciampa possibly being out from six to eight, or I think it was 18, uh, it was eight to 16 months. I'm getting all over the place. Yeah. Um, I, I'm pretty butthurt, man. Um, I'm a big fan of Ciampa. Um, you know, the timing of it is, is awful just because he's, you know, he's pulling double duties and he's involved in the stuff on Raw and SmackDown as well as uh, the NXT stuff and the Dusty Classic and, uh, you know, I was really looking forward to seeing what they were going to do with him on Raw and SmackDown as far as DIY goes. And I think we can all assume that he and Johnny were going to go at it at TakeOver Brooklyn uh, right before Mania. So, uh, you know, it's just bad news all around. Um, you know, he's 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 been on fire. I mean, just starting last year and before that. But 
the run he had, uh, the, the matches with Johnny and Alistair Black and Velveteen Dream last year. I mean, he was arguably their their most valuable guy um, uh, throughout the whole company, in my opinion. Just you know, solid all around, and you know, it sucks for him. And I, I feel bad for Johnny too, right? Because they were kind of they were being brought up to Raw and SmackDown together, and then he gets hurt. And we haven't seen Johnny either on Raw or SmackDown, so. Um, you know, it sucks all around as far as what the NXT title, what they do with that. Uh, and you, get, you throw around Matt Riddle's name eventually, Velveteen Dream, um, Adam Cole, uh, somebody I'd like to see get in there. Uh, I mean, I think they, they still have guys that, that they can throw it on. I mean, yeah, that's right. <laughs> they still got guys that they can work, uh, you know, whatever they need to. Um, uh, just, you know, it does, it sucks. It sucks all around, but it does create opportunities for other guys. Um, and, you know, it seems like, um, you know, maybe they keep Ricochet and Aleister Black up on Ron SmackDown. Maybe they pull Johnny back, and maybe they put, put the title on him, let him hold it for X amount of months or whatever until they can, like, you got, like, you know, Chris said, get Matt Riddle up to speed. Um, but, you know, like I said, butthurt because Champ is the man. The Sicilian psychopath. I agree with you. Um, he is the man, and it sucks. But, uh, yeah, I I know that they have finished the tapings for all the NXTs leading up to TakeOver. Um, so basically this, this all happened right after all that was done. So they have to make changes. I don't think they're going to hit them in, with someone hit them with something in the parking lot, you know, like they've done Actually, so many times I before. I don't mean to cut you off. I think, they're, I think they're taping the last ones tonight from what I saw. I, are you sure? I don't think they have everything. Are you sure they're not it? reshooting it? I don't know if it's a reshoot or what. I thought they had a reshoot I, the I last episode. I don't know about that. All I saw was they were doing tapings tonight at Full Sail. Oh. Well, I definitely could be wrong. But either way, they kind of had to change up the strategy, at least, of what they originally were booking it for. So if that's the case, you know, I could see Johnny staying there to kind of maintain the fort and hold it down. And it's unfortunate because people like Velveteen Dream, uh, now obviously Aleister Black and Ricochet, they're already on the main roster. Velveteen Dream, unless they give him the title, there's no reason to keep him in NXT anymore. I mean, he's some guy, someone that doesn't even need a title and can do extremely well on the main roster. He's ready. And the crazy thing is he's only like 23 years old. Um, anyways, Jack, what do you think about all this? Um, I mean, obviously, that sucks for uh, Champa because of um, his momentum. Obviously, and we've seen, you know, people like Edge um, never recover from a neck injury. You know, Paige. So um, that would suck. Uh, but we've also seen people go on to have uh, monumental careers like Stone Cold. So hopefully, he's like Stone Cold and can adjust um, because really. Uh, I was really looking forward to him on the main roster. Um, aside from that, as far as the fallout goes, I think the biggest fallout, even though you know we were excited to see him on the main roster, is in NXT. Um, because personally, in my opinion, there's not so much talent. Like, for one, I don't like Matt Riddle. Um, so, I mean, maybe Adam Cole, or if they keep back Gargano. But I think NXT right now, even though it's been strong for quite some time, it, it, it's um, you're about to see a um, a different pace uh, for at least a year. I, I don't see any of the new talent coming into NXT 
um, very well um, on the bright side. So I think the biggest fallout, biggest fallout is NXT because um, I think they were going to keep Champa down there anyways. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I'll have to agree to disagree on the future. I think that the, between Keith Lee and, and some of the signees that they have, I think that they always are able to replenish themselves. Uh, I get more worried about the WWE handling the talent that they have from NXT. Obviously, there was a huge difference between, you know, the EC3 group, if you will, compared to the four uh, that just came up. Uh, but, you know, we can't... Adam Cole and all them can only be there for so long. Um, there's a lot of people in there. Uh, Kerry Sane and uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Shayna Baszler, both of them need to go to the main roster. And there's rumors about Kerry Sane being involved in the main event, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Or not the main event, uh, involved in the women's tag match, I should say, at WrestleMania. But we'll, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. But, yeah, I, I can see what, you say, what you're saying, but I think that, uh, especially some of the people they've been signing recently. I think that they'll be fine. They always seem to be able to rebuild themselves. Uh, but either way, man, it sucks seeing Ciampa, you know, take another leave of absence for a while, especially how hot he is. He really is, like I've said this a million times, up there with uh, Callahan and uh, even Daniel Bryan, what he's doing, one of the top heels, if not the top heel out there right now. So, um, hope for the best. Uh, if we have... God, I guess we got like two more kind of depressing um, news items, but we got to like, you know, report it. Uh, at New Japan Pro Wrestling's 47th anniversary show on March 6th, Jushin Thunder Liger challenged for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship for the first time in like three years. Uh, Liger held his own for a while, and then Taji Ishimori defeated the legendary opponent by submission to retain his title. Backstage after the match, Liger cut a promo that suggested he might retire, including a statement saying, in some ways, I'm not qualified to be a pro wrestler. I don't always have the words, but I'll talk about it later. And the later turned out to be a press conference uh, streamed on March 7th, uh, in which Liger announced that he would retire from wrestling in 2020 at the Tokyo Dome. And he kind of explained, and he just said that he doesn't have any growth anymore. He's, he thinks he can still do it, uh, maybe not at a high level, but there's, it's like there's nothing else for him to do, uh, which is extremely unfortunate. You know, Liker has been in this thing since 1985 was when he debuted, and then 1989 is when he donned the Liger persona, if you will. So he's been doing it for an extremely long time, and I can completely understand. Um, sucks. But this is what happens, obviously, with wrestlers. Uh, he's been performing at such a high level for such a long time. It's pretty impressive. But uh, anyways, uh, Alec, um, what do you think about Jushin Thunder Liger uh, retiring? And if there's anyone you can think of in your head that you'd like to see as the you know, retirement match, if you will, the opponent for him in his last match. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, I'm not as educated on uh, Japanese wrestling as I'd like to be. Uh, I got to do better. But, um, you know, obviously, it's no question what Liger means to professional wrestling. Um, you know, the, you know everything that he's done. Um, the only memories I really have of watching him are some matches here and there in WCW. Uh, I remember the one he had with Joe and TNA. 
was it like, God, it was about 14 years ago or so. Um, you know, it's sad when 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 you see somebody of that prominence retire. Um, it's just kind of the, kind of part of the part of the business, though. Um, uh, as far as uh, final opponent, you know, honestly, I, I couldn't say. Um, sorry, I don't. I don't. I'm just. I'm not as uh, educated in uh, in Japanese wrestling as I should be. But um, you know, whoever it is, I'm sure it'll be a, a fun match and something I definitely will go out of my way to see out of respect for what Liger's done for the business. Absolutely, great answer, uh, Chris. Uh, same question. The one of my favorites as a child. The first time I saw him in WCW when they were doing their crossovers with Japan uh, with Japanese wrestling, like uh, uh, he just immediately stood out. So he's always kind of been someone I've followed, even back during the days of tape 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 trading and picking stuff up from Blockbuster or Hollywood Video. Um, he was always someone that stood out to me. It's crazy to think, you know, he came in at the same time as like Keiji Muda and Chono and Hashimoto. He trained alongside those guys. So for someone to do it as long as he's done it at such a high level is kind of nuts. I mean, we we obviously were we were a little spoiled with someone like a Ric Flair and, and a Shawn Michaels, but you could throw him up there as far as a Japanese wrestler goes into the same stint as far as longevity of a career and what he meant to the wrestling world, especially in Japan. And you're talking about, you know, the junior heavyweight championship. That's almost synonymous with Justin Thunder Liger. He's held it 11 times, I think for something like 2000 days or something ridiculous like that. It would have been great to see him get the 12th win. I will say he put on one hell of a match um, before that announcement, it was great to see. I'm looking forward to the final match. I don't have right now. I don't have a good feel for who that opponent might be. Um, I'm hoping it's almost a pass the torch moment, and that they can really utilize this with some up and coming star, and, and they have a good ways to build it. But right off the hand, I can't think of you know, what that match would look like or or who it would be. But it's. It's, you know, he's a six-time tag team champion in IWGP's junior heavyweight championship and, and always will be a hero in my heart. One of the coolest mat- masks, I think, in wrestling history. Uh, and just, like, always has been a consummate professional. It was great to see him do the match in NXT and, and harken back even to uh, against Samoa Joe, uh, like Alex said earlier, but completely wonderful career. If he's going out, I, I don't think that there's anything – negative I could say about Jishin Thunderliger or his career at all. I mean, like I said, I, you know, he's wrestled greats like Ultimo and, and Muda and even Sting. Like, just look at the lineage of what he's done and accomplished, not only in, in Japan, but here in the States, um, being as big as he's been and being able to come into like a Ring of Honor show and still have a hell of a quality match, even at his age. So great career great fucking wrestler probably one of my favorites of all time like i said uh nostalgia in in my childhood probably goes a long way into that but you know he's hanging it up at 54 and uh i have no problem with it it is sad but that's just how this thing goes at this point i mean we may never see another undertaker match either so it's just one of those things you got to kind of accept and move along with but it is crazy just looking at the the lineage you know being a two-time winner of super j the super j cup and just all of the shit he's done like, he's already been inducted into the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame. Like, that kind of shit. And he's still wrestling. So, just just crazy. Look forward to the match at the Tokyo Dome. Um, 
I guess I'm done gushing over Justin right now. I mean, it makes sense, man. If you look at so many wrestlers nowadays, like I would say up there with Eddie, with Ray, with Sean, with Brett, with Misawa, Jushin Thunder Liger is one of the most influential uh, as far as wrestling goes, like the style, stylistically with modern day wrestling. It's not just Japan. Uh, Finn Balor. I mean, how many things does he do like that? Anyone who does the diving stomp between uh, Aleister Black, him, uh, you know, he, he obviously uh, Tanahashi did too, but like the, the sling blade, uh, you know, his, his patented uh, brain buster, um, I'm pretty sure Austin Aries said that that was his direct like inspiration for his version. He's so crisp and so good in the ring. And he's, it's very eye opening when you say, He's been doing this since, you know, since Muta, since, since Chono, since those guys were around and all of them are gone. So this is the, uh, the next process. And, you know, I, I think when it comes down to it, finding a wrestler to go against him, some of the most obvious are not available. Like it would be great to have him and Ray finally, cause since that didn't work out before him, raise him to WWE. Uh, it would be very fitting for Kushida. Kushida's not in New Japan anymore. Uh, he just had a badass match with um, Ishimori, which would be the little, the the small guy to put over in that situation. But I'm sure they'll find someone. It will be a fantastic match. Um, either way, Jack, how do you feel about all this? Yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say on it because you've already covered everything. You know, as far as the influence and such goes. But I will note a couple things. Um, you know, this isn't necessarily a somber. Note, uh, you know, if, if he's fulfilled everything, you know, I'd say that's a great accomplishment. That's something to celebrate. You know, he's finally just like, you know, there's nothing left to do. So why not? Absolutely. And I, I agree with that. Um, so this is more of a celebration. So in that note, um, his final match, I don't have anyone in mind off the top. Uh, this is the first time I'm hearing about it. But I will note that, you know, while some of his most obvious opponents are in WWE and that wouldn't work, um, you know, other than WWE, a lot of these brands work well together. So, you know, they could potentially bring anybody in for this, you know, and I'm sure anybody would be honored to do it as well. So, you know, we could be in for quite a surprise for this. So I would keep my eyes on it for sure. All right, we'll move on to a, another situation where the way that you went about it is, is, is good. It's not so much somber, but there's when you get to that level in your career, like you even said, Chris, with The Undertaker, you know, at some point you got to put up your boots, and then if you've accomplished so much stuff within the industry, uh, you guys probably know where I'm going with this. Uh, Monday Night Raw, Kurt Angle uh, said that he will be retiring. He had a, probably his best match since he's been back in WWE with Apollo Crews uh, that night in Pittsburgh. And he's going to be retiring at WrestleMania. Now, rumors swarm that, you know, it's going to be John Cena because John Cena's first match with Kurt Angle would be fitting Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair sort of thing. Um, That's not been confirmed. There's just rumors involved that um, I would like to see a younger talent, you know, do that process with them. Either way, Kurt's going to put the younger guy over. Kurt Angle... Another guy that, you know, me speaking about the Masawas, the Shawn Michaels, all those guys, Kurt Angle. I mean, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time uh, nowadays, especially, and I know Chris is probably number one, is Kazuchika Okada. Okada said his number one inspiration was Kurt Angle. 
you know, his style of bringing that real actual wrestling grappling. Um, he did that stuff before they started doing the MMA stuff in wrestling. So, you know, Kurt Angle, he has nothing. Uh, if he wants to retire, basically, he can retire. Now, I will say, I don't know if he wants to retire in this or if the WWE wants him to retire, if that makes sense. So there, there might be a situation where Kurt gets the bug and does something on the independence or, or something like that. I mean, he was doing that for years before he came back to WWE. But uh, as of right now, we know he's retiring at WrestleMania. Same question, your thoughts and possibly what opponent uh, you'd like to see in the last match with Kurt Angle for the WWE at WrestleMania. Alec, what do you think about this? Yeah, man. Um, I think it's definitely time. Um, it's no question he doesn't really move as well as he used to. Um, Kurt's been my guy. Uh, I've pretty much been watching since he debuted. Um, I think my favorite match of all time is him and Sean at WrestleMania 21. Um, so many just fantastic. great memories watching him wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> So many fantastic memories watching him wrestle, um, you know, from Sean to uh, the match he had with Taker, No Way at 06, uh, his series uh, you know, with Benoit back in the day, uh, just everybody, uh, and, you know, all the moments he's had, the funny stuff, Stone Cold, the, the milk stuff, uh, the matches with Brock, um, you know, again, it's not, I don't want to say it's a sad thing. It's a celebration for somebody that had just an unbelievable career. Uh, if you, if you ever hear any wrestler talk about him and they talk about how quick, uh, he picked up, uh, just the art of, of wrestling and, uh, you know, being the only Olympic gold medalist. And I mean, his accolades speak for themselves. Um, yeah, he's just, he's been one of my favorites ever since I started watching and, you know, I'm glad that, you know, I'll be able to, Watch him do it one last time, and it's and it's on a it's on a big stage. It's not just some throwaway match on like a Raw or SmackDown, or you know he's actually getting to have a you know a, a certified this is my last match. And you know and and thankfully it wasn't something where you know kind of like Edge where he was forced out. I know a lot of people were afraid of that. Um, you know early on in his career where even he said himself he thought he might even die in the ring. So to see the stuff that he's overcome from you know the, the drug addictions and and all of that neck injuries and, and just everything. And, and just his story is so incredible. And, you know, I remember when he went to TNA back in 06, that was when I really started to, to watch them full time and the stuff that he's able to do, getting to see him wrestle AJ and Joe and, and guys like that, uh, Jay Lethally too, even early on when he's black machismo, um, you know, just happy for him, wish him, you know, wish him the best. He's already in the hall of fame and, I'm uh, glad that we got to see him come back to WWE where he, you know, he made his name and have one last final run. Uh, as far as his last opponent, yeah, I've seen people say Cena. I definitely don't want to see that. Um, if I could if I could pick somebody, I think Shelton Benjamin makes the most sense. You have the ties with Team Angle. Um, if Shelton's going to be a fixture on Raw with Heyman, uh, if that wasn't just a one-off this past week, um, I think Shelton ending his career makes a lot of sense. Storyline standpoint, and elevate Shelton back to kind of get him back in the mix. As uh, as somebody that can be featured weekly uh, on Raw, so that's that's my pick as far as his last opponent. If 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 not Shelton, I know they won't do this. Um, as if you're going to go a younger guy, um, Chad Gable makes a lot of sense to me. But again, yep. I don't I don't think they'll do that. And I will say with Chad Gable, Jason Jordan's another pick. And unfortunately, because of a neck injury, it looks like Jason Jordan might never even be able to come back to wrestling. Um, that's not 100% confirmed, but he's been working in the back for the last couple of months. So 
Yeah, I do like the Shelton Benjamin idea. That would make sense of why they kind of just had him attack um, Seth Rollins and start bringing up his history with Brock. He ties in the Kurt Angle, uh, puts him back. I don't know if WWE wants that, but that would be a great option. I don't mind the the uh, John Cena. I kind of like the idea that people are having of having um, John Cena against Samoa Joe for the U.S. title because that will really raise the stakes and then put over Joe, obviously. Because uh, they, yes. you know, they have a lot in common, and I think that would be a money match. But if they want to do, it, I, I, I look at it with John and Kurt. It would make sense, like Sean did with Rick, uh, in a lot of ways. And they even have more history together because of John, you know, making his start, ruthless aggression, all that bullshit, the prototype against Kurt Angle. So, either way, before I pass it to you, Chris, listen to these accomplishments, and I mean these are just in TNA and WWE. Uh, six-time TNA World Heavyweight Champion, two-time World Heavyweight Tag Champion, one with AJ, one with Sting, um, uh, one-time X Division, and then we go into World, uh, the WWE, one-time WCW Champion, one-time US Champion, uh, one-time World Heavyweight Champion, uh, tag with Chris Benoit, the actual WWF, WWE Championship four times, one-time European, one-time Hardcore, one-time Intercontinental, King of the Ring, uh, you know, I mean, and he's a Hall of Famer. And, I mean, he is a great wrestler. And, uh, you know, I'd like to see someone bring out a great match in Kurt because I do think that Kurt's going to need someone that can go. And Chad Gable would be so perfect. It really would if it wasn't for the fact that him and Bobby Roode are together for no reason, which is hurting both of them, but we won't even go into that. Chris, all that information I'm throwing at you, what do you think about all this? Yeah, it's one of it's it's kind of similar to what we were talking about earlier with Justin Thunderliger, where it's definitely a celebration. Um, my original thought and opponent was was Triple H when we first talked about this. I guess after last year's Mania, because I really you know he had those couple matches, and I was like, well, he's probably going to get ready to wind down. Triple H is going to need an opponent. That made a lot of sense to me, um, just because Triple H is kind of the guy that will put someone into retirement if you're going to have that match at WrestleMania. Uh, but I'm going to hit him in the face with my, my sledgehammer. <laughs> exactly. But uh, obviously, you know, him going against, Triple H is going against Batista. I think some of the plans changed. I think the other probably call would have been Taker. Taker's, uh, from all standpoints, is not going to be doing Mania. That was a match that Kurt wanted, was Taker versus Mania. I thought that would have been another potential I think all of the guys you listed are phenomenal, but they have kept Chad Gable so far away from Kurt Angle, almost on purpose. I know. Um, that I just I don't see that happening. John Cena makes sense, but I also I, I think they're going to go Cena versus Samoa Joe and tie it into the R-Truth thing. So that really points to, do you give him someone like Ricochet, who's smaller, that can go at a very high level, do a lot of entertaining shit and you have a good match or do you give him, you know, my, my thought would be someone like Ray Mysterio, but obviously Mysterio is, is in the Andrade feud. Um, it's weird. There's what about not Ali? one opponent. Mustafa Ali would be great too, but it's, they have two weeks at this point. Yeah. And I think, you know, with someone, with someone like Ricochet, you could, you could make note 
or I don't I don't know. It's just a weird scenario because I there's not one person that stands out. Um, unless you're trying to get someone over as a heel and you just have someone like, you know, Braun destroy him, which maybe that's what you do. But uh, yeah, it's that's you're not America's what people are going to want to see. <laughs> that's not what people are going to want to see. So, you know, from his accolades, I would say, you know, one of my favorite feuds I think was brought up earlier, which was Samoa Joe and AJ Styles and Kurt Angle feuding for almost a year in TNA. I thought that was phenomenal. Um, just, He's you've listed all his accolades, great wrestler, great career. He doesn't know the industry anything. I definitely as was said about Justin, it's it is a celebration of a career. As far as his opponent goes, it's kind of a toss up. I if you're gonna put someone over, I mean Chad Gable probably or Shelton Benjamin would make the most sense if you're going for a similar style and you're gonna have them, you know, be that next Kurt Angle guy, but I don't know that they'll ever book anyone like Kurt Angle. I think it's kind of easy to forget how strongly Kurt was booked when he came in and the fact that he was holding multiple titles at one time and kind of had a long undefeated streak. Um, I don't necessarily know that they have anyone to fill that. They could do something exciting like Finn or or Rick Shea, and that would be kind of my choice because I think they could carry a really good match out of an aging Kurt Angle, but yeah, I don't have one that just really stands out, but yeah, congratulations on Kurt. If anyone deserves to retire, that guy, he's wrestled for what I would consider too long, considering everything he's been through, but fucking phenomenal. Oh, man. I have pass off, for sure. Well, not only that, he looks like his neck, he can't move his forward or back from the fusion surgeries he's had, like, seriously, like, He's given his body to the industry for sure, and uh, you know he's he's at he's at benchmark with a lot of wrestlers that are up and coming that have a similar type of um, not style necessarily, but upbringing with wrestling. Uh, Brock Lesnar at first, and also great rivalry between him and Brock. You know, between the Iron Man match, the WrestleMania match, they brought out really good things in each other. Another unfortunate person, Brock Lesnar, going against someone. AJ Styles going against someone. Bobby Roode. He's with Chad Gable. That's not going to even happen. They'll probably be on the kickoff thing for both of them. Uh, Samoa Joe, he's going against somebody. So, yeah, there's there's not a lot of choices. But, yeah, benchmark as in, you know, Brock Lesnar. Uh, I've heard it for Matt Riddle. I've heard it for uh, Chad Gable. I've heard it for Ronda Rousey. They were the fastest person I've seen pick up the business since Kurt Angle is always what they say. And that says a lot outside of the list of accolades. Uh, Jack, I don't think I've gone to you, and if I did, uh, if you want to say anything else, you can. How do you feel about Kurt Angle and his retirement? Who would you like to see him go against for his last match? Yeah, um, so I'm going to start with the first comment. You said that um, you weren't so sure if it was his choice or if he was being pushed out. Um, You know, obviously he's not 100% healthy. Like you said, he can't move. He can barely move in there, so um, that's a – that's a um, conclusion that's not too far-fetched, but I do think it. Um, he's just ready. I really think he just came back to WWE um, to help his son more than anything, and uh, I don't think he's going to be able to come back to wrestle. So I think that's why he was just like, um, it's time to pull the plug. Um, it is unfortunate, though, at this time that there really isn't a standout opponent. Um because we we don't the last thing we want to see is his final match to be lackluster and um so 
personally, while I am okay with Cena, if that's the thing, um, you know, and uh, I'd, I'd like Apollo to have a good, um, you know, to be put over, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, what I think for is best for business is Shelton Benjamin because, uh, you know, with Lesnar probably on his way out, um, hopefully on his way out, um, Shelton Benjamin, you know, being Paul Heyman's next guy, it looks like, um, you know, Shelton and Lesnar, Lesnar angle, um, all that. I think that's the best angle to go here. Um, put Shelton over as a top heel, you know, the next Paul Heyman guy, um, you know, angles always the, um, got to play the hero type. So, you know, and Shelton's doing a lot of things based off of Brock Lesnar right now. So that would probably be the best bet at this point. I do agree. All right, let's move on to just, I got one more. This one's not as uh, so much retiring from wrestling, but uh, JR, Jim Ross uh, told us on the Ross report uh, last week that his contract expires with WWE for the legends. uh, uh, Everything that he does, basically any type of televised appearance for commentary, uh, it, it all expires March 29th, and apparently he said that him and Vince uh, talked for a long time, and they mutually agreed that Ross should, you know, do other things. And uh, Ross basically said that, that w- he won't be out for long. Uh, I think what he wanted to do was more commentary for WWE, and of course Vince wants the young guys that he yells at them in their ears, and they say whatever the fuck he wants. Uh, coincidentally, not trying to throw or stir up some rumors, guys, but um, he had Brandy Rhodes on that show. Uh, of course, the beautiful wife of Cody Rhodes and one of the uh, co-heads, if you will, of AEW. Now, he was very, like, the statement was, he was very like, oh, don't worry, I'm not done yet. So, we know he's not going to be doing anything with WWE. We know that he's not going to be doing anything anymore with the New Japan um, how do you feel about JR leaving the WWE um, after his long involvement with them, uh, off and on? And also, could you see him in another promotion? I think that AEW probably would be the number one choice. I don't see him going, myself at least, to Ring of Honor, or Impact, or MLW. Um, Chris, let's start with you. What do you think? Well, one hell of a run, obviously. And I think that if Vince could have gotten a legend deal done with JR, he would have, which to me points that JR has other plans. And, and to me, that's either he's going to focus solely on the podcast, maybe do more episodes and go out in public and do more public speaking like he's done in the past or as he's been doing. Or he's looking at that as I got to get rid of this legend's contract, which people have done in the past so that I can go work at a different company. And to me, a company that's not really announced any announcers, AEW is a decent fit. The only thing there is I would say JR's commentary in New Japan was not great. Now, it was taped and it wasn't live. The commentary team they ended up with, I think, was better than when JR was there, even though it is fun to hear JR call you know, Okada matches. There's some nostalgia there. Um, all of that being said, there's other things that JR's done in the past. He's done talent relations. He's done a ton. So if you're telling me he's just out there and he's looking for work, if I was AEW, I would definitely make that move and try to get him in in some sort of fold or a capacity. 
him going MLW is also not far-fetched as far as doing pay-per-views or something similar to Jim Cornette. I mean, him and Jim Cornette doing announcing together could be really funny. I don't see him going to Impact. I could see him re-signing with Access to do tape Japan events again. Uh, I, I think that's still kind of up in the air, especially with as busy as Don Callis has been. But I don't know. I don't have a set space. I, I think AEW is probably his best object uh, option, or he can just take a break and do his podcast and do public speaking events. And I don't think anyone would have any problem with that. Hopefully this is not the very last time we hear JR call a match in WWE. I think there's more out there for him to call. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see how things play out, but the contract signing ending right as AEW starting, him not re-signing a Legends contract, which is not the same thing as just a standard WWE talent relations contract. Hey, there's a reason behind this. So, you know, and, and even when that contract he signed was very open for who he could work with and stuff. So I guess Vince didn't want to deal with it or didn't want to pay him what he wanted to get paid, and we'll see where things go. But, I mean, if you need an announcer, Jim Ross is not a bad one to choose considering he's probably the greatest announcer of all time. So there you go. Man, Vince is just giving other people options to get better between, and I understand we didn't really get to talk about it, but with the Arnie Anderson thing, and actually I think we did talk about it, the reasons of why he got fired, but unless he wants to, unless he wants to stop, you know, the fact that Arn's out there and now we have Jr. Uh, you know, also Tony left, uh, Tony Schiavone left uh, MLW from all, from what I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, uh, and I know that, you know, J- uh, whatchamacallit, you just talked about him. I can't think of his, Jim Cornette. I had to do a stupid fucking high-pitched redneck voice to be able to get to his, in my brain. Uh, yeah, but Jim Cornette, he's doing stuff for MLW. But man, even if Tuesday Night Dynamite becomes a show and they have their commentating team there and JR joins them for pay-per-views, and just exclusively does pay-per-views for them, throw that extra little flavor in there. Now, of course, my dream would be, you know, him, uh, maybe Tony, and throw a heel person in there, or just like two people. Uh, There's a lot of options. One thing I think AEW and pretty much any promotion besides the WWE, they're not going to put JR to the side because he's older. They're going to want to utilize him. And like you said, he's also was head of talent relations. He's someone that any company can benefit from, let alone AEW. Uh, Alec, you hearing this about JR, what do you think, and where do you think his direction will be next? Yeah, um, you know, it's probably for the best. Um, He doesn't quite fit in what Vince wants, like you said. Uh, You know, he wants those younger guys that, uh, you know, he he can just scream at them in the headset and they'll say whatever he wants. So, um, you know, as far as where he goes, um, I mean, I think AEW is the obvious one, right? Uh, I don't know if it'll be as a, you know, consistent every a weekly announcer. Maybe just he does pay-per-views or big matches. I could see them wanting him in a, uh, like a talent relations role, maybe a creative role. He has history doing both of those for WWE. Um, I do know that on that pod with, with Brandy, he said that, uh, he wants somebody to keep him busy, uh, you know, he, at, at this point in his life, you know, unfortunately losing his wife last year, um, he, he needs something that's going to keep him going. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine he's just going to take announcing jobs here and there. I think he's going to want something that's a little bit more full time. So uh, maybe he's going to, maybe he does do the AEW thing and works at a deal where he can still kind of go and do 
random shots elsewhere if that's something that they're willing to do. I mean, they're letting guys like Jericho and Omega potentially wrestle for New Japan. Um, Joey Janela is going to be able to do his spring break stuff. I mean, guys aren't super exclusive, at least from what we can tell so far. So, um, you know, it's, like I said, not surprising. A little bit sad, though. I mean, it's a definitive end of the era for him. Uh, You know, nothing but great memories watching WWE back in the day and him providing incredible sound bites from, you know, Stone Cold, Stone Cold, and good God almighty. And, and, and you know, just all of it. Uh, we all have great memories, uh, you know, listening to him call matches and, and do his thing. Um, you know, arguably the best of all time and, you know, my favorite ever. And, uh, you know, happy for him that he's going to be able to go on and do something that, you know, he wants to do. So, um, I, I, I hope that maybe we'll see him, uh, see him call a few, uh, Kenny Omega matches and, and AEW and, uh, some other stuff like that. Absolutely. He is the John Madden of professional wrestling, to me at least. I know there's been many guys that were good beforehand, um, and I love a lot of great commentary teams, including Jesse Ventura and Vince and and Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby and uh, a lot of great ones, but JR definitely stands out. He was so intelligent, so on the spot, and he could just completely color the 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 story just adds so much dynamic to it um that he will be missed in wwe at wwe at least uh but who knows uh just real quick i'll pass it to you and chris before i go on to jack and jack i'm gonna ask you the same question alec would you have a problem if say they they build their commentating team maybe it's younger guys whoever but then jr just came in for the pay-per-views uh monthly you talking about aew yeah no, not no, not at all. Um, yeah, if he comes in and and even even if it's just like a main event or or a bigger match, um, he's not what he was 15, 20 years ago. But I mean, he still provides uh, value to to you know, commentary and the obvious wealth of knowledge that he has and the way that he's able to to tell a story over the story being told in the ring. So yeah, of course not. I'm all I'm all all in on him uh, calling a you know a full show or. Even if he does a weekly thing or, or you know, just a big match here and there, I definitely would love to hear him uh, keep keep doing his thing. Chris, same question. I would prefer him be part of the actual announce team. I feel like he's better when he's completely in touch with the product. Um, as he's talked about in New Japan, it's, it's hard to get behind the storyline when you're doing taped recordings versus being there live and being there when it's actually being recorded and then going back and watching those matches and storylines and keeping with it i think that's kind of given him problems in the past but yeah i mean if he's there for one big match you're giving him the storyline ahead of time he knows what's going on i think that's great i think there's other ways to utilize jr uh as well i mean you could even have him as a commissioner or something neat that we haven't seen in the past similar to like a jj dylan type character if you want to harken back to uh yeah you know, wwf or wcw as far as having a president president or a talent relations manager wrestlers have to complain to i think that'd be an interesting role for jr i think also you know if you want if you wanted to do announcing just for pay-per-views it would be good for them to do some sort of weekly podcast together and make it about your product so that you're only talking about your product you're doing exclusive interviews and you have a you know instead of us having to wait until this wrestler appears on talk is jericho you have you know five interviews with different wrestlers each week about whatever is going on in the product. I think there's ways to utilize 
JR that's not necessarily the obvious. Now, whether or not that company will do that or not, that's completely separate. But yeah, by, by no means do I think you should put JR out to pastor. I would be completely fine with hearing him call a Chris Jericho uh, Omega match. I mean, there's tons of shit you can do with him that's not necessarily a day-to-day basis. But as far as him just being a straight ring announcer, I think he does the best when he's completely in tune with the product. He knows all the characters. And I think that showed a little bit in New Japan, as well as some of the stuff that he did uh, in WWE. Also, I don't think that you should have a three to four people announced team with JR because it loses the luster um, in a lot of ways. And WWE did that consistently, where it's like, well, brought JR out here, but I can't fucking hear him talk because you got... Corey Graves and JBL screaming about shit that doesn't matter. So as long as they don't go that route, I feel I'll be you. perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I I can agree with that. And uh, you know, I I think that when he if he was just to do like I said, select events, if you will, I would hope that he would have ties of knowing what's going on because they would have him either part of creative, backstage producer. Uh, possibly, like, you know, we were talking about he already did with WWE, talent relations, stuff like that. So there's a reason. And I do think that, you know, I don't think JR admitted this, but I don't think the names of people really helped because he got a lot of shit from fans that if he fucked up a move's name that was kind of unique and weird uh, to the New Japan audience or, or the name of a straight Japanese wrestler, you know, they gave him so much shit for it, which is dumb. I mean, obviously he's got to learn it, but... Yeah, I, I, I definitely think that someone needs to utilize him. I love that idea of him being the president. He would be like how Gorilla Monsoon was in the 90s, like this respected guy that they kind of just have as the figurehead, but he's not a bad guy, like the whole healed McMahon-style thing. He's more just, you know, the the guy that makes the hard decisions and stuff like that. So I actually I, – I, I like that idea a lot. I think that would be good, and that, that would give him chance to come on commentating once in a while as well while he's keeping up with the product because he's always there. So there's a lot of intrigue within what you were just saying. Um, Jack, everything that we're talking about, JR's retirement, him possibly going to AEW or doing stuff, what he could do possibly for there, and, you know, what we were just talking about in general. Yeah, um, well, he's definitely not uh, – he doesn't fit with the current WWE landscape, so it's for the better. I mean, when's the last time we actually saw him on uh, a show? I mean, of all these kickoff panelists, you know, like Booker T, Beth Phoenix, uh, Jerry Lawler coming on, when's the last time we saw Jim Ross? So um, there's no point in letting him sit on the shelf or, you know, do a – WWE Network show, so I'm all behind him leaving the company. Um, as far as MLW goes, he could do some things there, and it would work. Um, even if he went AEW? with AEW, no MLW. Uh, I, I it was mentioned earlier. I I don't think that's the best option for him, and I actually don't even see MLW going after him because. They just brought on Cornette, and I don't see them replacing the entire announced team. Um, so I think his and, – and, you know, New Japan, definitely not not behind that at all. So I think his best option would be AEW because, because he can take on a large role, you know, a sprawling role, an on-screen role, a weekly commentary. You know, a, he he can be involved creatively. 
I think he has a lot to offer being around the business for so long, being, you know, around WCW and, you know, all that. So I think he would be good to have in Cody's circle. Um, So that's definitely the best move and the one I see them making. I do love uh, the idea of him doing a post-show type thing with interviews. Um, That is something that, you know, they do with uh, being the elite. They they really try to do, you know, tie-ins. So I could see that actually happening. Um, I would love that, actually. And with, you know, with AEW having a lot of, you know, unknown talent, that would be a good way to spotlight their talent and uh, grow their audience. So that's actually a great idea um, that I, you know, so I think AEW is all around the best idea. He could have a lot of major roles, talent relations, creative uh, commentary. So hands down, AEW is where Jim Ross should go. Absolutely, I do love that idea with the uh, that that Chris was talking about with having him do interviews. Um, I'm also kind of separately looking forward to his new show with Conrad Thompson because I love the show that uh, Conrad's done with Bruce Prichard, Tony Schiavone, and also Eric Bischoff. And so now getting into Jr.'s mind about certain incidents that he booked and helped create in the past, it's going to be a lot of fun. Love Conrad Thompson. I'm telling you. I know that he does real estate. I know that he does all of the big, um, I forgot what his name of his event is, but the big conventions outside of these AEW things and just in general. Um, but, you know, yeah. instead uh, of having some. 83 weeks, right? Oh, instead 83 weeks, weeks. Something, to, something to wrestle with, 83 weeks. I forgot what Tony Schiavone's one is called. But, yeah, and then he had one with Ric Flair originally what before he got when? started. Yes, thank you. Yeah, um, what happened when? There you go. They're going to do one at Tennessee. Him and Jim Ross? What's that? Is that confirmed, him and Jim Ross doing one? I, I saw a rumor, but I didn't know that was confirmed. It was confirmed. He talked about it on the same um, uh, podcast, actually, episode, about uh, that he was oh. talking about all this. Yeah, him and uh, Connie, and he loves to call him Connie. I don't know why he does that impression of him, but uh, <laughs> just talking about Conrad Thompson in general, the way that they've been using him for these press conferences and interviewing, he's got such a great voice, and he's tall, and I've met him in person. He's a very – he's a big dude. Like I think he's like got to be about 6'3". So just a suggestion if he would like to do it. Conrad Thompson is very much known in the wrestling industry. I would love to have him as like a backstage interviewer, um, for AEW, possibly another person, just throwing it out there instead of some of these female robots that the WWE likes to, you know, breed and do the, all the fucking shit. Um, but yeah, I, that's uh, that's it for uh, Jr. At least for WWE. But I know that we're going to see more of him. Last bit of news, some really exciting news, guys. Uh, before we move on to Fastlane, Harlem Heat was announced that they will be inducted in this year's uh, inductees for the WWE Hall of Fame, uh, Stevie Ray, along with Booker T, uh, they were the 10-time, 10-time uh, tag champions. And now Booker T, with being a five-time world champion, 10-time tag champion, he will now be one of the only people, along with Ric Flair and now Shawn Michaels, to be a two-time Hall of Famer with the WWE. Awesome. Glad they got in there. One of my favorite tag teams in the 90s. If not, honestly, 
you know, the Hardys, Dudley, well, Dudley's were in ECW tearing it up, but Hardys and Edge and Chris, like the brood and the new brood back, you know, in the actual attitude era from, or the beginning at least. So when I think nineties, they're up there, they're up there with, you know, a lot of elite tag teams. And uh, I'm very happy that Booker is just going to add on to his accolades because he deserves it. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about this? I am excited for Harlem Heat to get inducted, as, as you know, and as I've talked about on the pa- in the past. I, I, growing up, I didn't have cable, so I didn't have WWF until probably ninety-five, ninety-six. I grew up a WCW guy, and as a WCW guy, Harlem Heat was the tag team. Um, it sucks to see people just constantly shitting on Stevie Ray <laughs> right now, and I think they're more thinking of later Stevie Ray towards the NWA. NWO error, but him and Booker T as a tag team was a great tag team. There's a reason why they were 10-time champs. And if I got to say anything, they should be inducted twice because that theme song is so fucking dope that they should induct that into the Hall of Fame as well. But <laughs> I'm super stoked. Huge Harlem Heat fan, always was growing up. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. I just hope that this, I mean, this kind of to me means that Booker T should be inducted twice at some point. So I'm also looking forward to Booker being inducted on his own accolades uh, for everything no, he's he did. accomplished as well. Wait, Booker's he, already in? He, yeah, he will now be, along with Shawn Michaels, who's getting a double twice, induction okay. for DX. Yep, and Ric Flair, he'll be the third person who will be twice. That's pretty fucking awesome. Yeah. It is Okay, I didn't realize that he had already been inducted, so I, I, I must be, you know, all this stuff runs together at some point, but I am stoked about it. Like I said, also, let's start a entrance theme wing of the Hall of Fame. So that we can just like have a fun. Here's a Hall of Fame thing with dope entrance songs, and that should be like one of the first ones inducted into the Hall of Fame. S S. Oh oh. Yeah, man, that shit was awesome. Anyways, Jack, how do you feel about this? Yeah, um, I'm just waiting for him to hop on the kickoff panel and start yelling two time, two time Hall of Famer, because. Uh, uh, that would be pretty funny, but I, I like it. I am. Um, he, you know, Booker T is I, honestly when you talk of when well I talk to most people I never really hear much acclaim for Booker T, you know, and which surprises me because people forget that, he, you know, he, he was part of Harlem Heat and then he was solo and and then he, you know, he's he's one of those versatile characters. You know, he went to do the King Booker as cringeworthy as that was, but he. You know, he made it work. So I think Booker T is a very underrated wrestler, um, even though he's still acclaimed. Uh, so I'm excited for him to get that because I still feel like when other wrestlers are talking to him, they they, they still, like, talk down to him and doubt him. So uh, another accolade like that under his belt, I'm all for it. Um, there's not much else to say on it other than that, but I'm all behind it. Yeah, I, I don't think Booker T gives a shit if anyone has a problem with him, though. He's so damn cool and chill. Oh, man. I'd love to interview him. Uh, Alec, how do you feel about Booker T and Stevie Ray as Harlem Heat, along with uh, manager, well, not what they, how do you feel about Harlem Heat joining the Hall of Fame and Booker T being a two-time, two-time Hall of Famer? Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely well deserved. Anybody that's arguing otherwise, I don't, I don't know, man. <laughs> what, what, what do you have against it? Um, yeah, I'm 
I was born in 92. So, I mean, I missed out on, on all their stuff uh, in WCW, but you know, I've gone back and watched a lot of it on the network and actually on the old 24 seven service back in the day too. So um super, super happy to see it. Uh, I'm a massive Booker T Mark. Uh, he was my guy when he came over to WWE. So uh, I'm really, really hyped that he's, uh, he's going to be a two time, two time hall of famer. And, uh, Definitely agree on uh, the entrance music too. Um, if there's ever a, uh, a, a entrance music wing in the Hall of Fame, that has to go in there for sure. Um, but you know, definitely well deserved, and, uh, and I, I look forward to the to the speech too. Yeah, amazing music, man. But as far as like, there's awesome entrances like the Undertakers and stuff. But as far as like great music that's up there with like Bret Hart's theme like you know just something that gets you pumped up when you hear it for sure but yeah 2013 2019 Hall of Famer uh awesome for for Booker and I'm very very happy so I think with that before we move on to Fastlane I gotta put this (laughs) I was waiting to play that the whole entire time all right, guys. Uh, all right, let's um let's go over fast lane. I don't know. This is such a weird pay per view because honestly, to me at least, some of the wrestling, a good chunk of it was great. Some of the storytelling decisions was terrible. Um, but you know, I'll find out y'all's opinion. I'm not going to speak on behalf of you, but we'll go to the uh, the first match that we had. This got set up. Well, they were already going to have it anyways, but. Basically, Kofi during the pre-show was told that Vince McMahon wanted to talk to him, so he went to go talk to them. And then Xavier Woods and Big E were going to go against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. Originally, this was going to be Rey Mysterio and Andrade, but they got added into the match later on. So we had a pretty damn good tag match between Xavier Woods, Big E, uh, against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rusev. New Day pinned Rusev with the uh, Midnight Hour. Um, Chris, how would you feel about this match? And um, when the fuck is Rusev getting the hell out of WWE? Uh, I have no idea on the Rusev question. That's up to him. I mean, I'm sure that he is making money hand over fist with Total Divas and the limited role he's working in. I don't think he's probably that upset, honestly. (laughs) But outside of that, uh, if I was him and I was trying to get, like, wrestling accolades as soon as my fucking contract's up, I guess, the, the big question would be where would he go? Um, and where could he be utilized properly? But outside of that, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Rusev, as long as Lana's there and she's on Total Divas, he'll probably stick around. Um, that being said, I thought the tag match was fine. I was just a little pissed off because I was looking forward to Ray Mysterio versus Andrade. Like, that was one match I had circled and kind of the reason I started watching the pre-show because normally I skip it and watch it later, but I actually tuned in and was going to watch the entire fucking thing from start to finish. Um, that six-hour runtime, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, the tag match was fine. Obviously, it was building a storyline. It, it wasn't anything incredible to me, but it, it was there and not bad. So I'll give it that. Like I said, I was salty as fuck because I wanted Rey Mysterio versus Andrade single on the pre-show. Um, and I know they got thrown into the match later, and I thought that was a good match, but I, I kind of wanted that singles match. Toss me into a loop on this pre-show. Just heads up for everybody. 
Absolutely. And just to let you know, and I don't expect you to keep up with the news for Total Divas, but Lana's actually leaving Total Divas. They kicked her off the uh, show. So she's actually been very verbal about her and Rusev being extremely unhappy with the WWE uh, lately on um, social media and throughout interviews. I don't think she's really holding back either. So there's also that now when it comes to Rusev Day. It just sucks. You know, this happens all the time with WWE. You got someone like Braun Strowman, Rusev, uh, Elias, who the audience really takes to, and then they fucking just know how to kill the shit out of that flame uh, so much. It's ridiculous. Um, but, uh, Jack, what do you think about this first match on the kickoff show? Uh, yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, but, but was this for the next title contention? No. <laughs> No stakes. No? Uh, well, then it's pointless. Um, and I only watched, like, the last 10 minutes of it. Not really something I was too interested in. I'm not really interested in anything Rusev Shinsuke. Um, I don't know what they're doing with that. I was actually, uh, you know, really getting behind the um, Rusev day. Uh, I don't it, I don't see how they – I don't know what they're doing with that at all. It's baffling, to be honest, and um, I'm looking forward to Rusev leaving the WWE for sure. Um, I think it was more for that skit where they had Kofi waiting for an hour than anything else. Um, I would have much rather Andrade and Ray for sure. Uh, Every match they've put on has been spectacular and better than the next, I mean the last, so... Um, good thing I didn't tune in for most of the kickoff show and waste my time. Um, I did like that uh, Ray and Andrade were put into the Fatal 4-Way. Even though we saw that exact match the week before, it it still did good for um, the storyline being told uh, over at the mid-card right now. So uh, give and take, you know, the good with the bad, it was okay. I will definitely take it. Alec, what did you think about this first match? I actually didn't watch it. I think I was, like, making dinner or something. Um, I I tried to make a point to uh, watch the kickoff show, and I was looking forward to Ray and Andrade, so that was a little disappointing. Um, as far as Rusev, man, I, I am a big fan of Rusev, and obviously I love Shinsuke. I hate them together. I don't – it's just one of those teams that just does not make sense. Um, I, I, I'd like to see that just get split up and, and let them go do what they're supposed to do somewhere else. Uh, maybe a move to Raw or something, or yeah, maybe Rusev just leaves WWE altogether. But um, yeah, I, I didn't watch the match. Um, I, I, I guess I try to make a point. Um, I, I, I'm really salty they didn't have another, another uh, Buddy Murphy match. He's been kind of my uh, reason to watch the kickoff show, but that is what it is. No I guess. shit. Yeah, I agree yeah, with that Buddy sure. Murphy. Buddy I agree Murphy 100% good. <laughs> on Buddy Murphy holding He's down a, the kickoff show. <laughs> King of the kickoff, man. He better be added to WrestleMania. There's no way that Cruiserweight title is not being held in that kickoff. It sucks that it's a kickoff, but Buddy Murphy's another guy that's like, there's Drew Gulak, Buddy Murphy, you know, Cedric Alexander. There's a couple of guys that we just need to grab and bring over. And I'm sorry. I know people love 205 Live, but oh, yeah, yeah. Either way, he should he should throw that, that shit. In, he should he should throw that shit into his gimmick. If he's gonna wrestle 
and have these great kickoff show matches. He should just be like king of the kickoff, like you said. Like fucking make a big deal about it. Put 205 in the focus by having him be a heel about having to work the kickoff shows. And if we're going to do work shoots, that one would actually make fucking sense. But it would kind of make him look kind of weird because, correct me if I'm wrong, he doesn't really make a lot of money for the kickoff shows, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Make him pissed off about it, but also make him kick cocky about it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, fuck, yeah, you might as well. And the thing about Ray and, and Andrade, I wonder if they – I mean, there's a good chance they're going to make the stupid, elaborate, giant match that they don't need to do for the U.S. title. I would rather just the two of them have a badass match now at Mania and really let them go – full speed um, instead of incorporating him in that. And that's what I'm assuming is the reason why they took him off the opener. So I, I could be wrong yeah, about that sure. completely, but it just makes sense, you know, uh, with that. But um, yeah. Uh, and let me just say it also that they keep on having these tag matches, by the way, Alistair Black and Ricochet shouldn't be in a fucking tag team together. Both of them are singles guys, but they keep on having Shinsuke and Alistair in the match together, and they have these awesome, like, two-second bits. And it's like, fuck what you're doing. If you're going to have a good rivalry for Alistair Black, put him with Shinsuke. They're, like, literally a very similar style, and they would uh, – it's just it, – it's so frustrating sometimes. Especially the commentary is even the ones who suggest it. Either way, let's get into the first match at the actual pay-per-view, and the one I really just don't give a flying fuck about. Um, love the Usos. I don't give a shit about the best friends in the universe or whatever the fuck the Miz was calling this shit. If you can't tell, I'm not a fan. SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. The Usos defeated the Miz and Shane McMahon. Miz went for a fog splash because for some reason he takes advice from his father. So I guess John Cena's dad or some shit. Um, and, uh, yeah, he ate shit and got a small package for the loss after the match. Uh, McMahon beat the shit. Out uh, of the Miz and Pie Face, Miz's dad basically several times, um, and then would call him. I think he called him a, a baked potato face. Um, this is mean, man. This fucking storyline sucks to me. Uh, I I don't know how you guys feel, but to me, if you're gonna have Miz be a baby face, the only scenario that would have worked for me, and I love what's going on with Kofi right now, is if you put him with Daniel Bryan because the reversal of roles would have been very intriguing, and they have a so much storyline. The shit with Shane's dumb. We don't have to have a match for Shane every fucking year. I do like Hane Shield. Heel Shane, um, I do like him. Everyone's like, he's always a baby face. Yeah, right. Go back to the fucking attitude era. Shane was actually a pretty devious heel. So I kind of like that, and I think that Shane is good as a heel. I just don't give a fucking fuck about this. Um, who knows? Maybe that's just me. Alec, how do you feel about this match and where it's going to Mania? Uh, I'll probably be in the minority. I I love the match, first of all. Um, crowd was super hot. Uh, they were very into it, very into the Miz, obviously the hometown guy. Um, you cannot go wrong with an Uso match. Uh, I mean, those guys have been on fire for years now. Um, and I'll be honest, like, I, I have been enjoying the Miz-Shane story. <laughs> um, I think it's been a solid, like, long-term build since Crown Jewel. Um, and, you know, I don't think you'd need a Shane match at WrestleMania, but I, I genuinely can't remember the last time a Shane match happened that it wasn't, like, exciting or at least fun or you saw some crazy spot. Um, as far as the match itself, too, I mean, the spot where um, Shane was going to go do the coast-to-coast -coast, and then I don't remember if it was Jimmy or Jay, but he was going to go and do the splash on a Miz and Shane catches him midair and kicks him. I thought that was sick. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm 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 with it. Uh, I like the I like the Shane heel turn. I thought it was great, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to say it's the match I'm looking forward to the most at WrestleMania, but um, I, it's Shane. He's going to do something crazy and stupid, and it'll be fun to watch. So uh, I'm I'm all for it. Oh, I get it, and Shane is known for this. I'm just thinking to myself between the titles that they have established in this, and just the uh, the battle royals for the women's and the men's that they're still doing that. And then you throw in this Triple H match that has definitely happened, the Kurt Angle match. We're at 12 matches so far. It's like, are they going to have like 18 fucking oh, yeah, matches in Mania? Gonna... That's what I'm saying. Are we going to be watching like 90 like matches or some shit? Are they all going to be sh- – I, I don't know. That 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 is something that's that's kind of like, what the fuck? I do like that the Usos are hinting at on both social media and SmackDown that they want the Hardy Boys because that will be fun for the two sets of brothers to like, you know – you know, fuck some shit up. Uh, but, you know, for some reason, this thing's not working uh, for me. Chris, how did you feel about this match? I, I fucking, I've hated the storyline from the beginning. <laughs> so, as far as the storyline goes, like, it's going to be hard for me to say anything positive. I'm glad that other people are liking it. Let me, let me say that. And what I do think is going to be crazy is trying to get people in New York City to cheer against Shane when he's going to be doing his crazy spots over the Miz, who's been a heel his entire career because Miz's daddy got made fun of. I I don't think the fucking storyline works. I think it falls apart. I think that the WrestleMania crowd will inevitably be just eh on the match until a crazy spot happens. Um, The match itself was great. I, I mean, well, not great, but as good as it could be considering Shane McMahon, I don't find a great wrestler and, you know, Miz is good, but he's not top echelon. He's not going to carry a fucking match. There were some dirty spots in there where there were some big-time collisions that just looked gross between Shane and the Usos, but outside of that, the match itself was okay. Um, like I said, the storyline for me, you're headed into New York. I, I don't fuck, I don't know, man. I, I just don't see the fans really booing Shane at Mania when you have three weeks to really build a feud. And it's all pivoting off a fucking reality TV show where the Miz's dad didn't respect him until he won the tag titles, which to me is still just fucking baffling. Like, baffling. He wrestled John Cena at WrestleMania, for Christ's sakes. Like, fuck off with that storyline. Yeah, I I hear you. I do hear you. Jack, how do you feel about it? Yes, so... I have a few things to say about this. Um, so I've hated this storyline all the way back to Crown Jewel. Um, in fact, it's one of the many things why I named Crown Jewel the worst pay-per-view, not only of last year, but that I've seen in a long time. Um, I absolutely was just dreading every moment of it, uh, every turn sense I just wanted to get rid of it um but Fastlane I did like everything that they did how uh the heel turn I definitely think Shane should be a heel however you know Vince and and Shane being heels now and um didn't they at the beginning of the year come out and try to make themselves faces of the company and say that the fans are the one's controlling it, and now they're doing everything opposite. So that's a little uh, discerning. But <laughs> Yeah, um, and, they're, and they're making Triple H a face on top of it, which is like, what the fuck is going on? 
Yeah, it's, 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 it's a little it's wonky. It's very wonky. Um, I don't know where they're going with it. I, I'm glad. I hope that WrestleMania is the end of it. Um, and I do agree. Shane does not need to have a match every year. Seriously. Um, this is the issue that, where you go back to why are promoters putting themselves above their talent? Um, so that's another issue. But I did like the match overall at Fastlane. It was a good match. Um, not perfect, but the crowd, you know, was a big part of it. Um, but really, I just want this to be done with. Um, I think um, as far as WrestleMania goes, I I think we're going to have a lot of matches, and I actually prefer it that way because I think one of the bigger issues we've been seeing in the last, you know, four or five years is they tend to push these matches to be these big, 45-minute blockbuster matches, and not all of them should be. So I feel like if we have more matches, they can have the freedom to get down to the point, deliver, and get off the stage. So um, not looking forward to Miz and Shane at all. Looking forward to heel Shane and looking forward to a lot of matches at WrestleMania if it's done right. I completely agree. Let's move on to the next match. I really just don't give a shit about uh, the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Oscar defeated Mandy Rose, not because of Oscar, obviously, uh, but the, what they set up with her and Sonya trying to grab a kendo stick, and then you know Mandy slipped on the ring apron while hitting the ropes, um, and then got kicked in the face a lot and lost. And then obviously her her compadre, who she was pissed off with, uh, lost also to Oscar. How'd you like the match? And honestly, the question really is, for WrestleMania's sake, who's ready for Asuka? Chris, you start. Well, I mean, I think the original plan was to have Lacey Evans be ready for Asuka, but I think they 86 that idea after Rumble. Um, that being said, it was a bad match, and their follow-up match on SmackDown was bad. I don't mind the team turbulence and, and the you know the heat between the team, but Outside of that, there was nothing really to write home about this match other than it was a televised women's title match that was not very good. And uh, they don't know what to do with Asuka because they have three polarizing figures right now at the top of the card. And it kind of just is what it is. It's the, same, it's the same way it's Sasha, in a sense, except Sasha didn't have the title, so it wasn't as big of a deal. That's, that's the way I kind of look at it. Yeah, it's just crazy because there's, like, literally no one on the main card that seems like a great – it seems like they're not going to be Mandy Rose or um, Sonya Deville. It looks like maybe they're setting them up to be in the women's battle royal and have more of a rivalry that stems and goes on to the next season, if you will, um, which is good. Uh, well, actually, I, I wouldn't mind uh, Deville, but not not Mandy so much. Uh, you know, with Asuka, Naomi's a baby face, even though I'd love to see that. They're both great competitors, and they don't do shit with Naomi. I just don't see that. Alexa's hosting the thing, and kind of makes me think that maybe she's still, they're, they're keeping her, like, you know, paused and leaning into it, even though she says she's not injured anymore. Um, so, like, all the, the, you know, good options seem to be kind of taken for Asuka, so it's going to be very, I would love Shayna Baszler, but she's going to be, obviously, an NXT. She's still the women's champion, it's just uh, they don't they don't have, at least in my eyes, someone ready 
for her, but we'll have to wait until Mania. Unfortunately, I could really see Asuka on the kickoff show uh, defending the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, but what did you think about all this, Jack? Yeah. Um, okay, so I don't want to touch too much down on the tag um, women's topic yet, but I don't understand why they even took Fire and Desire out of that picture. Um, so that's, And then, okay, so they want to do that, and I'm, I'm cool with Mandy taking a singles run. Because they want to put the Iconics in for some fucking reason. Blah. I mean, I get that the division has a lot of budding talent that needs work, but let them work and grow, you know, and Fire and Desire is probably the best option since Nikki Bella is injured to go up against Boston Hug. So I never understood why they were doing that, but I understood that they had a lack of options there. Um, So, and Mandy Rose, I'm okay with, and Obviously, she's not going to win it because they don't want to take her too far away from the tag division. Um, how it happened was a little um, not really – it just wasn't good. It was boring and um, not invested. But um, the bigger issue is definitely what is happening in the women's division. Uh, honestly, I, I I agree. I wouldn't be surprised if we see Asuka – in the kickoff show, or not even in WrestleMania at all, to be honest. Um, she hasn't been on the show uh, much, so what storyline are you going to get? And honestly, I think they're just trying to roll it over until they can do a shake-up, to be honest. Um, it was... Uh, the, the, right off the bat, there's just three matches where showcasing bad creative... Um, for WWE, and that's a shame because we came off a lot of strong pay-per-views, you know, um, Survivor since TLC on, so ah, this was just horrible, and I don't know what they're doing with the women's division, but I'm not looking forward to it at all on SmackDown side. I agree. Alec, same question. Yeah, match was what it was, right? Nothing nothing to write home about. Uh, I fucking hated the finish. I don't know why Sonya Deville is underneath the ring looking for a kendo stick. <laughs> um, I don't know why they had to do that, whatever it was, what it was. Um, as far as where they go with her at WrestleMania, I mean, I could see them turning that into a triple threat, maybe. Um, although I do agree that it seems like they might be trying to set the seeds for Sonya and Manny to be in the Battle Royal. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if Asuka was in the Battle Royal. Um, but it's a shame because... She's obviously great, and there's just no obvious uh, opponent for her. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, you, somebody mentioned Lacey Evans earlier. Uh, blah, first of all. And, I mean, if they're going to do that, I mean, they'd have to start it this week. Um, and they've done, they've done what they could to keep her at least out there by having her walk for a second or two and then leave. But um, I can't say that I'm looking forward to anything that they're doing. Uh, on that side of the women's division at all, which is a shame because Oscar is, you know, one of the best talents they have. Yeah, and and the Lacey yep. Evans comment was just based on the original rumors of what they wanted to do with Oscar, and then that shit was canned after Royal Rumble. I agree with you 100. percent I'm ugh, on Lacey Evans 100. Yeah. Ugh. And um, I just want to touch down on I think it was Dave Shayna comment. Honestly, if on Oscar 
does appear in WrestleMania, I I think the best way to bring Shayna up would to um, have her attack Asuka and go after Asuka in the um, follow-up months. I think that would be a great idea to uh, bring Shayna up because, as we know, she needs to come up as well as revitalize the women's division on SmackDown. Um, as far as Lacey Evans, um, they haven't done anything with her. They they need to make a move or they need to put her back down in NXT. But, unfortunately, at this point, I I think they've dragged on the whole walk down and walk back thing so much that she just has no momentum. But did anyone notice they redid her entrance? So maybe she'll no. be doing something soon. Yeah, I hope they, she's walking uh, back to NXT. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, just a recycle uh, of the Emily. That was it. The Emily. The Emily. We're giving them too much did. time on this. Yeah, like. I, it, the the entire problem with the Oscar scenario is they've made the SmackDown Brown brand look unimportant by taking two of the top female stars and having them challenge Ronda Rousey. So now the SmackDown title looks unimportant in general. That's the last thing I will say about this, but right now that title doesn't fucking mean dick. No, it doesn't. If your two it's, biggest it's, stars it's, leave it's a weak ass to life. wrestle, yeah, you might as well combine the divisions at some point because they, they made the title I, look weak. I think all of them are going to be combined. Uh, just to give you guys a little bit of warning, we're almost at 8.40. We're on the fourth match, and we have 10 to go total. So we've got to put a little bit more of just getting that passion out of the main stuff, the core, the cream of the crop, if you will. Next match. Whoa, we got to swerve, guys. The bar. Point against Kofi Kingston. That was just fucking mean. Mr. McMahon told Kofi he was being added. No, what he really said to him, it was a misdirection. Uh, not a misdirection, but a misdirection was that you are going to have a match tonight and we are adding another person to the uh, thing. Well, what he didn't tell him is that his match was against the bar and the third person was going to be, for some reason, Mustafa Ali, which I love him, but I think it hurt him. But we'll get to that either way. Jack, how'd you feel about this handicap match and just building up this tension that we would also see on SmackDown with the level of people, Randy Orton, the bar, Samoa Joe, uh, Rowan that he's got to do in a gauntlet match to be able to get to Daniel Bryan. They're putting so many obstacles in front of Kofi Mania. Yeah. Um, honestly, at first viewing it, it was trash. Um, considering what we saw on SmackDown, it's a little better. I don't. I'm not sure why they're trying so hard to put Kofi over when he's already so over. Um, so that's a little confusing. But um, yeah. I, Again, thumbs down. Um, SmackDown move a little better. That's about it. Alex, same question. Yeah, I mean, it, it sucked, right? I mean, I, and, and looking at the bigger picture and the total story they're trying to tell, I understand why they did it. Um, it took the crowd completely out of the show, in my opinion, though. Um, and, and so I, I, I hated it. Uh, the SmackDown stuff, a little bit better, kind of, you know, agree. It, it, I don't think they need to be doing all this. It's getting a little convoluted, but, you know, they're trying to make Kofi look as strong as possible. So, you know, whatever. It'll be a fun gauntlet match, I'm sure, next week. So, you know, whatever. Yeah, they better do that because if this is all a ruse and, and Kofi's not going to Mania or he loses that Mania, people are going to fucking riot. Uh, Chris. 
what did you think about this? What did you think about what happened on SmackDown? He's got to go in a gauntlet. Can Kofi do it? I immediately thought that they were. this was obvious, just a ploy to turn Vince's heel as possible and to build up Kofi. And it reminds me, for whatever reason, of Rock, or Rock Big Show, and Triple H, kind of a feud they did. Very similar at one of the WrestleManias where Rock had to go through like a gauntlet of people and then he almost got screwed over and you ended up with a McMahon in each corner kind of thing. So it reminded me of that. It kind of harkened back that a little bit. So I kind of knew where they were going with it. It's hard to have a problem with it. And obviously this wasn't the original plan and they're booking on the fly. The original plan was, you know, Owens versus Brian. Coffee caught, Kofi caught on fire and now we're getting what we get. And, you know, they're trying to make the best of it. And after SmackDown, I'm kind of okay with the way they booked what they did on Fastlane. But, yeah, at first viewing, I, I was the same way as everybody else. I was like, fuck. Yeah, it's it's completely understandable. Now, the way that he beats all those guys, I feel like there's going to be a lot of interference. I mean, obviously, we know Randy's going against AJ. So, it's going to be a fun thing to see happen. Unless he loses, and then people are going to fucking lose their shit, including me. Next match, Raw Tag Team Championship match. Uh, the Revival defeated Chad and Gable, Chad Gable and Bobby Roode, and Ricochet and Aleister Black, who should be a tag team. Uh, but still, it was a really good match. The Revival obtained with a shadow machine to Gable. All three teams fought after the match with Black and Ricochet standing tall. Uh, Ricochet scared the shit out of me in this match twice. Like, a lot of people gave Shane crap and Mandy crap for botches. I love Ricochet. He's incredible. But when he tried to give Sawyer the uh, the Hurricane Rana to the outside, that was scary. And then when he did his move, he landed right on his neck. Uh, just little things here and there that I noticed. I hate seeing wrestlers I like uh, do things that I thought he was hurt, basically, from that. But either way, what do you think of the match, Chris? Chris. I really enjoyed yeah. the match. There was, there was definitely some, uh, some spots here and there that I, I felt the same way about. But, yeah, I, it's a good showing. Obviously, they're trying to build the revival back up, but they're also trying to make Ricochet and guys and company, let's just say, look strong. So it's it's just a little. They're in kind of a weird spot with, especially with the Raw Tag Team division. They have been for a while, so um, not a huge problem. I thought it was a pretty good match overall. It's not one of the best matches I've ever seen, but it's definitely not like bottom of this pay per view. I agree, Jack. Same question. How'd you like this match? Yeah, I agree. Um, not not the greatest match, but uh, but a, a a good, fluent, entertaining match that kind of um, reestablished the pace, especially after the Kofi thing. Um, all three teams got to shine in their own individual style and right. Um, yeah, those ricochet uh, botches, if you will, were little yikes. But um, you know, that's just one of those things where you have three teams with three different styles that haven't work together so often, that's going to happen. Um, so hopefully with the push into this Raw division, we'll see a lot less of this happen. Um, but definitely a good match, um, good ending. So I'll give it a thumbs up. And Alec, what do you think? Yeah, uh like the match. Uh, I didn't love it as much as I thought I would, but uh, you know I appreciate that they're trying to get that raw tag division going again. Uh, I appreciate that they're trying to build the revival back up for sure. Um, I not I know it's been said I'm not a fan of Gable and Rude as a tag team. Uh, I'm ready for Rude to turn on them already and turn heel. 
Um, and I'm ready for Black and Ricochet to go on and do their own things. But as far as, you know, pay-per-view match, it was good. Uh, you know, scary spots for sure. I'm glad everyone came out of it okay. And, uh, you know, hopefully they can keep the momentum that they've got going for the tag division going into WrestleMania on the Raw side. Absolutely. Next match might be one of my favorite matches of the night. Uh, Fatal four-way for the U.S. title uh, between Samoa Joe, Rey Mysterio, Andrade, and R-Truth. Had the same match previous to this where R-Truth lost the belt to Samoa Joe. Truth didn't understand that, apparently, and I loved the beginning of the match. He kept on saying to Samoa Joe, that's my belt. Give it back. And Carmelo was trying to explain to him, you lost the belt. <laughs> Joe retained uh, by submission with the Kohina clutch on Mysterio. Uh, just good stuff. A lot of great spots. Chris, how would you like this match? Who would you like to see Samoa Joe go against at WrestleMania for the U.S. title? Um, I think, to me, I want to see Joe versus Cena in the conclusion of the R-Truth storyline. It was fun while Truth had the belt. Wish he would have kind of got it a little earlier to hold the storyline a little harder because he's been very entertaining, him and Carmella, at least in my opinion. I like kind of dopey R-Truth. As much as I like heel R-Killing, I love dopey R-Truth. And uh, the match itself was really good. Like I said, I I was already kind of tilted about it because I wanted Don Trotty versus Ray in the opening, and I didn't get it, so... Um, but overall, it was, it was a good match. It's probably my favorite match of the entire pay-per-view because I just don't have the same love for the Shield. As, uh, saying that, I will, I will say that this was probably my favorite match of the night. Gotcha. And I, and I do agree with you. Jack, what do you think about this match? Yeah, um, I, I am definitely a fan of the Carmella and Dopey uh, R-Truth. Um, I think it was a good match and again just like the uh, three-way tag match I having a fatal four-way like that it provided good variety in in the pay-per-view which is good because a lot of the earlier matches were trash so good match good setup um, great work with uh, Dopey R Truth as far as Samoa's uh, opponent I'm going to agree with Cena as well Um, you could see they're building the whole you know, he's my hero type thing with our truth. So um, that looks like it's what's going to be happen, and I like it. Um, thumbs up. Uh, not much else to say there, though. Alex, same question. Do you like Dopey or Truth? I, I love it. I, I mean, I've been a big fan of Truth since the early days in TNA. So uh, you know, this stuff is a lot of fun for sure. Uh, I love what they're doing with the U.S. title just in general, um, going back to truth winning it however long ago that was and doing the open challenges and getting, you know, some of these guys involved with it and kind of bringing some importance back to that title. I want to see them move that mojo over to Raw with the Intercontinental title as well. Um, love the match for sure. It's amazing what, uh, you know, Ray is still doing at his age and with, you know, the amount of surgeries he's had. Uh, and same with truth. I mean, what is he, like 46 years old and he's still out there moving pretty well too. So, um, love the match for sure. Um, and yeah, like everyone else said, I want to see Joe and Cena. Uh, that's a match I've been wanting to see since like 2007. So, um, I'm all in on that if that's what they're going with it. Yep. Definitely, uh, should have been earlier, but yeah, it would be awesome. All right. We have the women's tag team championship match, the Boston hug connection. I still hate that fucking name. Defeated Nia Jax and Tamina. Bailey countered a power bomb with a hurricane rod to pin Jax after the match. The heels continued their attack, and guest commentator Beth Phoenix got involved. Jackson Tamina beat up Phoenix, as well as Natalia, who tried to make the save. It looks like Mania 
from what the rumors are stating, they want the legends and one from each brand, including NXT. Um, so it looks like it's going to be the Boston Hell Connection, Nia Jackson, Tamina, uh, Beth Phoenix, and Natalia, and also the Sky Pirates, which is um, Kerry Sane and um, – uh, oh, man, I can't think of her name right now. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, Chris, I'll, I'll send it to you. Eo Shirai. Eo uh, Shirai. Eo Shirai. Uh, that might be the clusterfuck, but the tag match that will be for the titles at Mania. There's also a rumor that they're going to be actually going against Eo Shirai and Kari Sane on NXT, and then the next night going against the Legends, Raw team, and the SmackDown team. And if I didn't say the SmackDown team, it was the Iconics. That is the rumor. Chris, what do you think about this match and where it's going for the women's title at Mania. It's going straight to the pre-show, and it's going to be a clusterfuck of a match, but I look forward to it because I like Kerry Zane and Io Shirai quite a bit. And also this this experiment of the weird brands with the tag division needs to be gathered up but, in, in a way. Yeah, it needs to be figured out sooner rather than later. Do you like the scenario better if they were to show up at NXT TakeOver, go against uh, the Sky Pirates there, and then go to Mania, and even if they lose the belts, have a reason because of that, and go against the Iconics, um, Nia and Tamina, and also Beth and um, Natalia? As much as I hate hot-shotting the belts, I think it would be a good idea for Carrie and Io to win it and then lose it again the next yeah. round, and then you can bring them up to the main roster and flesh out the clusterfuck that's going on on the SmackDown card after, you know, one of your top stars is probably going to end up the Raw champion and have a shift in roster anyway. I agree. All right, uh, Jack, same thing. All right, I'm going to try and make this as swift as possible. Um, okay, so the biggest problem is the tag team titles have not been a focus at all, and I don't know why. Um, you know, you have these brand-new titles. They're supposed to be this big thing, this big budding division, and you put little to no effort into it. Um, that was the first mistake with this match. Um, so WrestleMania is going to be critical. I do like the idea to fix that of them losing it at NXT and then taking it right back at WrestleMania. This would also be a good way to bring the Sky Pirates up or at least spotlight them. You know, that's that's a good idea. If they do do the 14 match, one from each brand, I don't know why they would include Tamina and Nia since Sasha and Bailey are technically raw. Um, and to be honest, I'm not a fan of Nia Jax and Tamina at all. Uh, Tamina has no personality. I'm not sure if that's because she really doesn't or because they're trying to snuff her because <laughs> of her dad. Um, and Nia Jax, she has a little bit of a personality, not my kind, but her in-ring work is garbage, okay? Just hot garbage. Every week she botches something. Um, so I just Preach. want them to move on from them, too. I mean, she, she's I just trash. Chris loves you. <laughs> so um, this was just – this was bad all around, and, and that's – it's probably the biggest – mistake of this pay-per-view considering the stakes in the titles um definitely i do agree 180 turnaround come wrestlemania and they and they need to start building it now i mean they did something with the iconics on smackdown but they should have had those titles front and center on raw and smackdown right away um or these titles are going to die and this division is going to continue to 
not grow at all. Uh, I agree. Alec, same question. What do you think about the match? Where do you think it's going for Mania? Ah, match was <laughs> oh, whatever, uh, kind of sloppy at points, um, and I expected it to be what it was. Um, I did like uh, Beth getting involved and the kind of Diva to Doom, you know, throwback there. Um, as far as where they're going to Mania, yeah, I mean, I could see it being uh, kind of what you've been saying, just to echo that. I don't know that I want to see them do um, have a hot shot them onto the Sky Pirates. I think you can easily just do a four-corner Sky Pirates Bailey, Sasha, Iconics, and uh, you know, maybe Divas of Doom, and then throw Nia and Selena in the Battle Royal, whether or not that's what's going to happen. But um, I agree, though, too. I think I was trepidatious when they were going to do the women's tag team division just because you see how they handle the men's tag team division. Um, oftentimes, you know, no consistency. seems like they didn't really have any set plan. I mean, this was a division they were going to have, what, last summer, and they held it off until just now. So, um, they started it off great with that elimination chamber match, and then it's, it's it hasn't hasn't maintained any steam. So uh, hopefully they can correct that soon. And uh, I guess I bring up the Sky Pirates too. That needs to happen. Yeah, just cut Tamina and and uh, just cut them out. That would be a great idea. Just do a four corner match. I think that's the best idea for that crazy situation. But uh, either way, triple threat match for WWE Championship. Daniel Bryan defeated both Kevin Owens and Mustafa Ali. Ali was added. He was that extra thing. Uh, except for it fucking help, it did not help his baby face uh, push. It kind of had people booing at him. And I think this was a good match, but it was ruined because the audience was not into it because of the Kofi thing. I guess that works for the Kofi storyline. Did not work for the match or for Mustafa Ali or Kevin Owens. Um Really quick, Chris, what did you think about this match? feel bad for Mustafa Ali. I feel bad if they try to push him immediately towards WrestleMania in some format because it left a bad taste in the crowd, like you said. Um, the match itself I thought was well worked. I thought it was pretty good. Um, there were some apron spots I wasn't super stoked on, but outside of that, yeah. it, I thought it was a really good match, and Kevin Owens looks good coming back. I kind of wish I could see what they were originally going to do at Mania, but it makes sense with Kofi going, and I hope Kofi gets the title at Mania, and fucking I'm stoked on that. So if their goal was to make me cheer for Kofi really hard, then they nailed it, I guess. But it sucks for Mustafa Ali because he was about to get a, a big baby, push, a baby face push. He's kind of in a shitty scenario now where I guess people forgot that Kofi's been over for like three years with the New Day. So <laughs> I I don't I don't understand how they made that booking decision but whatever it's working out for the the best and hopefully Mustafa can recover it's working for one and not for the other and it sucks but it it was a good match I enjoyed it Jack same question Yeah um this match was just plagued from the start and the Kofi chance didn't help at all I mean, I don't know why Mustafa Ali was put in there in the first place. For one, they should have expected the chance. And two, it just it just seemed out of place. Like, just keep it the one-on-one. I, I get that Mustafa got screwed out of Elimination Chamber, but, uh, you know, they, they just keep trying to push people way too hard or way too little, you know. Um, so I didn't like that addition. I did like the match, however, overall. Um, but... It was just plagued from the start. Can't expect much from it. Um, So I'll still give it a thumbs up, though. 
Yeah, good match. Storytelling kind of plagued because of the audience and everything they're doing. Alec, what do you think about it? I really liked the match. Um, echo what everyone said. I uh, I felt bad for Mustafa. I don't think he needed to be added to this at all. Um, he definitely, you know, contributed well to the match and made it a really good match. Um, I, I think that by the end of it, he was starting to win the crowd over a little bit just because he was doing, you know, Mustafa Ali stuff. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think they should have just kept it at, you know, Brian versus KO. They already had that set. Um, and, you know, it was what it was. But um, looking forward to uh, where they take Kofi from here for sure. I agree. All right, I'm going to group these two together so we can finish up the pay-per-view before we go uh, because this first one was pretty much just a nothing. Uh, Becky Lynch defeated Charlotte Flair by disqualification. Flair was dominating her, and then Ronda came out, punched her in the stomach. Really dumb building to me for Becky because she was such a badass. I wouldn't be happy with that. Uh, you know, I just don't understand some of the things that they're doing with her. She was much more fierce, and now they're kind of like cooling her off week by week. And then, of course, I thought a great match, probably my second favorite match of the night, Shield defeating Baron Corbin, Bobby Lashley, and Drew McIntyre. Uh, just an O to the Shield. If you're a fan of them, pretty much the last time Dave Metzler keeps on saying over and over again, he is leaving. So this was Dean's last time with them. And they fought everywhere. I thought Seth almost killed himself jumping off the thing. Uh, pretty damn good match. Uh, so I'll pass it to you, Jack. What do you think about these two matches? And how'd you feel about fast lane overall? Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, they should have just had Becky get hot again and just persevere and beat Charlotte. I, I don't know why they did what they did with Rousey. Um, bad move there. Um, we can move on from that match. Um, Shield, ah, God, the whole past few months has just been wonky as fuck, but that match was really good, um, really exciting. They they went a lot of places with it. You know, obviously McIntyre, I'm hugely behind McIntyre. So uh, it was a really good match and actually a good ending for the night. Um, so thumbs up there. As far as Fastlane as a whole, uh, it wasn't horrible. Pointless. But it, was, it fell into the typical Fastlane, um, you know, just – not up to par or of expectations, you know, it just falls short, you know? Yeah, I get you. Um, completely agree. Uh, Chris, just a couple of words on those matches. If you'd give me. Sure. Uh, right off the bat, I didn't like the Becky Lynch match. I thought she sold way too fucking much. If she has a broken leg, then they should have made it an unsanctioned match or something and did something there instead of just having her win by disqualification. I know why they did what they did, but I fucking hated it. It also made Ronda Rousey look like Steve all time, um, in my opinion, but I, yeah, just didn't like it overall. Um, it, the Shield match I thought was great. It was fun to see the Shield back together one last time. I do think Dean is leaving, so I'm perfectly fine with the outcome of that match and, and the storytelling that went around it. I, I thought it was pretty well done. It was good to see Roman Reigns back and healthy, so I was pretty stoked on that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the opponents they had looked pretty good. I thought Drew looked pretty – like, Drew out of the other team who I normally hate, I thought he was kind of a standout. Well, it looks like we're getting Roman and Drew. will be good. Alec, just let me know how you like the Shield match real quick before we sign off. Yeah, like the Shield match quite a bit. Uh, big fan of Shield, always have been, always will be. If that's the last time we see him together, they went out on a high note, and it was a fun match. 
All right, you guys have a good one out there in Geek Fives Nation. Thank you for joining us for Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Check us out next week, 7 p.m. EST. Thank you, and let the geek vibes be with you. And thank you for our guests, Jack and Alec, tonight. You guys rocked.